Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. And we do apologize. Everett, the sound engineer today, has a single job during the beginning of the show, which is to slide a single slider after pushing a single button. There are a lot of sliders. But it's the same slider every time. It has never changed. And you pushed, I've never done that before. You slid the wrong slider, and I'm like, the music's... You did push the right button. I pushed the sad trombone button. Uh, yeah, you, you slided the wrong slider, and I could hear that it was the wrong slider. I looked over, I could see that it was the wrong slider, but you just stuck with it. You just remained committed. You like increased pace. Like, it's not quieting down. <laughs> So yeah, we are. Uh, we're also gonna. You're gonna see a post here soon on the Watch Clicker website for a sound engineer. Um, <laughs> we pay nothing, but we do have. Uh, we do have beer in the fridge. So if you're interested, it's just one slider. It's, it's all it is. Hey, listen, 150 episodes. <laughs> I've never done it before. This is 151. A, yeah, 151 episodes. How about that? How about that? This is the 151st episode. Yeah. Which means 156 episodes is rapidly approaching, which means we've been doing this almost three years. Weird. Our three-year anniversary right around the corner. Five short weeks. We should rent a... Uh, Sound engineer. A bouncy house for our three-year anniversary. Just buy a bouncy house. We'll record from the bouncy house. Put it in your backyard. I think we need to put it in your backyard. I have dog poop in the backyard. True. <laughs> Sorry and about bamboo. that. And bamboo. Bamboo. The bamboo would like just grow up through the fancy house. Yeah. How are, Andrew, Andrew, how are you? I'm terrific. I am on day one. Well, sort of, I don't know. You, I got off work this morning at 7.30 and I am into 19 days off work. Yeah. 19 days away from work. Because so. you've got your you've got your annual... I do. I have an annual hunting trip. I'm going to leave on Tuesday morning and just go even more radio silence than usual for i don't know i have i'm the season ends on the 26th so i have oh, 13 days or so but we'll see i might be out there until then just in the woods yeah Full by coolers. yourself i'll have some hunting partners there intermittently but with elk piss just all over your body it's i find their beds and roll in it <laughs> yeah all right good how, how are you besides you know a little bit discombobulated i'm fine i don't even feel discombobulated i feel just fine i feel you know i'm just gonna chalk it up to standard sunday evening mistake making i'll accept that how's your knee my knee is good Good. it's good i'm feeling really healthy uh i'm feeling strong walking going up and down stairs nice i'm good man nice but hey we're talking about watches today well we're talking about some watches today Uh, Maybe a watch. Just one. Yeah. And maybe some others too. And we might get there. But we have a guest. Woohoo. We have a guest. And and uh, we have a fun guest. And we're talking about a fun watch. We're talking about a watch that we talked about last week and suggested that this might be happening. And it's always good not to count your chickens. But alas, here we are. And also, here is Ken Lamb, the founder and owner of Ark and Watch Company. Ken. You're here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How are you guys? We're excited to have you. Welcome to the party. 
And you are based not in London, but in the oh. UK. So here we are cracking beers. And I, I saw a coffee mug, which is it seems more appropriate for a Monday morning than yeah. beers at six AM. <laughs> do you yeah. do you have Glenn Livet in that coffee mug? Glenn Livet? Um Unfortunately, not. <laughs> you you have, just have coffee. I I've, assume. I, no, no, it's actually a cup of tea. Oh, um, that makes more. Would sense, I be yeah. would I would I be British if I didn't wake up and put the kettle on to make a cup of tea? And and I assume <laughs> it's proper tea to make sure I get all of our verbiage right. It's proper tea is my assumption. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's 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 yeah, it's proper tea. Milk, <laughs> no sugar, not for me. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, there's not much to it, really. And you like I think it's it, more no, fantasized outside of the UK. That that may be true. However, I think almost no one in the United States has like proper tea kettles. Like no one has a kettle to make tea in their house. I almost have, no one. I have one. Like a a real like yeah, like a gooseneck kettle. Yeah, I think it's pretty. I'll say a, a gooseneck kettle is quite a fancy version of a kettle, though. Yeah. That's like a temperature set one, right? Like you can Oh uh, no, it goes on the stove. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not it's not that fancy. But yeah, I have a gooseneck kettle for making tea. I don't know, dude. Dork. <laughs> 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 it's nice. You can aim the water when you pour it in things. Makes a yeah, good French yeah. press too. Come on. No, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Coffee. Do you people. make do you make a lot of pour overs? I pour over coffee and stuff. Uh, my wife used to. I usually just put it on the stove to cover hot burners, or if like I just need water heated up quickly, it goes on. Uh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. No, no, no judgment. It feels like it. No, not I mean, dude. You know me. I've got so much stupid shit. Zero judgment. At all. That's our life. It's just <laughs> stupid shit. We do required. a podcast about watches. There is zero judgment in this regard. So. Yes. Uh, well, Ken, thanks for joining us. We're really excited to have you on. You are here to talk about a watch. However, you have not even ever released a single watch. And in fact, the watch nope. that you're here to talk about, we don't even know everything about. That's true. I, also, I, first, just thanks for having me on. Uh, it's it's a... a, a yeah, I'm, it's a real pleasure to kind of be on and to hear you guys kind of talk about the watch on the last episode as well. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. I mean, it's really hard to get people to come on our show. Really? Yeah. Especially for second visits. Yeah, I mean, this actually probably downgrades your cachet a little bit. It's <laughs> like, oh, well, Arkin seemed like a cool company and then they went on that 40 and 20 shows. <laughs> no we're really glad to have you uh we're really glad to have you. you you know we get we get a lot of sort of pitches um regarding folks that want to come on we you know it feels like especially watches that are in pre-production there's a bit of a risk not that it's a risk to talk about people or the stories behind watches which is really what we do here but you, you know it's always feels like, gosh, is this even going to happen? Is it interesting enough? And is it even going to happen? But with your watch, which we should, which we should just say, you've got a watch that's debuting here in several days. Yeah, um, on the fifteenth. Well, so yeah. So from my time, three days time. Your watch is funded. You mm -hmm. are 
making them, I believe. Yeah, so so it's 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 going to be similar to Kickstarter in that it's um, kind of like a pre-order, but it's it's done on my own kind of platform because I wanted to kind of have <clears throat> the full freedom to be able to obviously interact with each of the buyers, have kind of control over um, kind of when and where the process of things are and that sort of thing. Um, so it, it isn't it's it's most of most of the kind of the funding has been kind of put forward by myself um but at the same time the kind of the the watch will be kind of the creation of watch the creation of the watch is kind of riding on the shoulders of of the people that have kind of supported the brand and are kind of supporting it from the beginning because when i first started to kind of announce to kind of like my friends and people that i was starting to take this journey to develop a watch um Kind of, you've, there's 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 people that have been following the Instagram account for like maybe a year or so before sure. I'd even revealed kind of the full picture of the watch, and they've kind of seen it come to life, and and that's one of the reasons why um, I've mentioned in a few of the captions like um, keeping the price to like 500 US dollars for the people that kind of said it in the beginning because when I first started it, I said I was going to give all these things right like full titanium case, integrated bracelet. Uh, 300 meter water resistant, um, the movement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to do it for 500 US dollars. And a lot of people were like, no way. Like, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to sell it for 500 US dollars. I was like, I will. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it. So, um, so the, that's why for the first kind of 48 hours, it will be available for, for 500 US dollars or, or 359.99 uh, in pounds. Um, but yeah. So that was kind of, uh, that was kind of the start of it, I guess. Well, let's let, let's get an introduction from you. So we've got we've got a little okay. bit of the story of of the brand and where we come where we've come to. And I understand you've done uh, you, you've done a little bit, but let's for for the folks out there who maybe aren't familiar with you, who are you, and how did you get so, to this point where you're deciding to to <clears throat> launch a watch? So so I am a born and raised um uk citizen to put formally um <laughs> i'm born born in birmingham so if any of you guys have ever heard of birmingham just alabama um, yeah. yeah just yeah. alabama no yeah. Yeah, have you ever a, heard of the have you ever heard of the peaky blinders oh no, is yeah there's a birmingham alabama and that's why I, every time you say yeah. it i'm like alabama that doesn't make any sense <laughs> we have both watched Peaky yeah. Blinders. Yes. I believe we've talked about Peaky Blinders on this show. Probably several times, yeah. But so. yeah, so born and raised in Birmingham. Yeah, born and raised in Birmingham. Um, and then, uh, so I, when I graduated, um, I moved, well, I did, uh, I started to do and um, content creation and that sort of stuff. Um, and first I worked for a couple kind of like companies, one of them being hype beast. Um, and then I went kind of freelance and started working as an individual with brands or like businesses to kind of like help develop their social following or help them create content to communicate certain messaging and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then when COVID happened, uh, like obviously cause I was flying, I was moving around a lot. I, I kind of got grounded. So then I had to kind of like, I was still doing work, but a lot of it was remote editing stuff. Um, and as a hobby, I was like kind of 
taking apart and rebuilding Seiko watches. Like I was modding Seiko watches and then I was like getting some like vintage pieces and just kind of like cleaning them up and then selling them. And I was just doing that as a hobby just to kind of pass the time in between like projects that were coming in. And then um, I kind of was looking into making like it was really just for myself, like for my own hobby. I was looking into making kind of parts for Seiko watches just for myself, like just for myself to wear, just for myself to enjoy. And then if my friends like who, who also kind of collect Seiko watches, if they wanted some of the parts, I've already kind of like I'd already made them so that I can, you know, give them a few pieces or whatever. Um, just for simple things like hands or bezel inserts and all that sort of stuff. Cause the, the kind of the market for third market, the third market, third party uh, parts for Seiko were getting more expensive. Yeah. Um, like 45 so, bucks for a dial these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it was getting really, it's kind of getting a bit, a bit stupid. <laughs> so, so I was kind of looking into that and then, um, that was when I kind of thought, well, if I'm going to spend all this time like designing the original parts that I wanted, but like f- to fit a Seiko watch, um, why don't I just design a whole watch? Like, let's see if I can do it. Um, so I just kind of like thought, oh, I'll take a swing at it. Like, let's see if I <laughs> let's see if I can do it. So um, I kind of went down that pathway, and then once I kind of started to make progress on it, once I started doing, cause I did all the designing kind of myself, I did all the technical drawings and all that sort of stuff. And I just started developing it a little bit by a little. Um, and then I'd kind of started to post it on my own personal social media to say like, Hey guys, like I'm going to, I'm going to try and start a watch company. Do you want to see if I can do it? And people were like, yeah, go on then. Like have a go at it. See if, see if you can pull it off. Have a and, go. Uh, and yeah, and then, and I just, yeah, it kind of like, it kind of grew from there as this idea of me kind of just making a watch for myself um, to, uh, you know, a few people and then a few people more saying, I really like this, like I'd wear this, like da da da. And then I started to kind of put some real kind of, some real aims behind it then, um, like in terms of the specs that I wanted and the direction I wanted to take it and and kind of who I wanted it to be for and, the things that I wanted to do different from other brands and how I wanted to set myself apart and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how it, how it started. Well, that I, I want to follow up on that, on that last thing you said, because mm-hmm. I think that's important. Um, that's an important part of the story here. What did you want to do different from other brands? So I, I think you've done, remarkably some things different than the average micro brand and you you won't be surprised to hear me say that i don't think but what was your aim in terms of doing things different well i mean um i think kickstarter was 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 one of the first um a lot of obviously a lot of micro brands will start on kickstarter and a lot of successful micro brands have started in kickstarter um you know you've got brew they make great watches you've got um, baltic I, in my opinion, they make pretty nice watches too. And, but I feel like the wave of, of um, Kickstarter watches that kind of hit that level was probably around four or five years ago. And I don't feel like the platform offers the same to micro brands now because of the amount of uh, micro brands that have launched on there using, you know, maybe catalog parts and uh, kind of like, 
not that thoughtful in terms of its design and they're just trying to get out a, a product to, to kind of make money um and in and in kind of the work that i've done in, in content creation i've done some work with kickstarter campaign for different products not for not for watches um and some of them are more innovative and more kind of personally connected to the owner and then some of them are just like a business kind of like roll-off thing where it's not that innovative and they're literally just kind of like taking a product that is already made slapping some kind of creative spiel on it and then flipping it through kickstart um and i didn't want that for the brand like i didn't want arkin to have this immediate association um so i wanted to kind of like keep it separate from kickstarter just so you know i i might get taken fractionally more seriously um even though i'm running a very similar system in terms of the way that it's being funded um so yeah that's the that's the first thing and then the second thing was just kind of the engagement like with the community um i wanted to more i wanted to be more hands on with like how kind of like me as an owner um kind of engaged with the audience and i wanted to be personally kind of tied in with each of the people that support and buy the watch um like i'd said um i'd mentioned a couple of times before like the first 300 people that like buy this watch i'm going to learn their names <laughs> i'm going to learn all their names and so then if any of them ever contact me i know exactly who you are i know exactly what watch you've got and you can ask me questions or contact me anytime and it's going to be like you know me almost because you have a piece of what I've created for myself. Um, and then the other thing was just kind of like messaging that makes sense. Um, like you might've seen the the kind of the gender neutral post thing that I yeah. did before. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of like, that was a very hot topic around the time that I was thinking about it. Um, at kind of like with, with uh, gender free, kind of messaging and watches that weren't specifically associated with women and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, yeah, I just, obviously I, I understand that the watch that I'm designing is, is primarily for me in a way, so that will have kind of masculine features, but it doesn't mean necessarily that it's designed for men. Do you know what I mean? Like if, 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 uh, if, if anybody wants to wear it, albeit a woman or someone with smaller wrists or someone with massive wrists, et cetera, um, if you're a lady this is a lady's watch and exactly like if it's if if you want to wear it it's your watch like if if this is your cup of tea take it run with it like i will support you the whole way and i will yeah find a way to convey the messaging that that you can relate to just as well as i can so. you, you know i would say you, your bigger point there that you're really wanting to connect with your customers and um make your customers a part of this process uh in a sort of interactive way we we hear that from the brands i think that we've really connected with um you know andrew at astor and banks has said similar things i know i know that john ferrer at at brew has said that and and not only have they said that i think that they really genuinely every day live that i know mont has got a great relationship with its customers and you know it seems to me like that is the thing that sets microbrands apart from from maybe any other thing that you might buy day to day right we get that in other industries too right whether it be 
pens or knives or whatever we get we get that engagement um but i think it's a really cool opportunity for people who are buying watches so cool cool on you for doing that thanks can we circle back a little bit you can circle back i want to talk (laughs) about how you got into the hobby of watch modding had I? How, I yeah. How, how'd I, you get there? I mean, I, you, you mentioned that kind of during the during your COVID lockdown, when you're stuck at the house, you started modding watches. Uh, modding watches isn't just something that, like, at least when I think about it, I can't imagine sitting on my couch, having nothing to do, having no interest in watches, and being like, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to mod it. I, I can do that. I mean, that is something <laughs> I would do because I'm a watch person, but I think barring already having been a watch person, that wouldn't even be something on my radar and I'm I'm yeah. curious how you how you find yourself going down that rabbit hole. Um, so I'd kind of I'd I'd been involved well not involved but like um, watches were already part of like kind of my psyche at this point. Um, I'd I'd been interested in watches for a couple of years, specifically Seiko watches because it was kind of like more within my means. Um, and then the modding thing happened because so like. Um, I caught wind of this like trend that had happened. Like it's weird because I think modding in, in the last couple of years has kind of like just been exponential. Like it's, mm-hmm, it's, yeah. it's flown like the amount of like stores that sell parts for, for all different types of watches and stuff like that now is, is huge. But like there was a period of time, um, maybe five to 10 years ago, where like there was a specific like set there was specific Seiko mods that were like really hot. And one of them was like the um like a 55, 55 fathoms mod of like a uh SN ZH. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and that was like a hot thing. And you could only buy parts from like this one like old guy in Hong Kong. And he would the, like Yoboki's photo bucket. Yeah, Yoboki's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> you can only get parts from that guy, and like that was it. Or there was like um, a place called Dagaz mm-hmm. that you could order online as well, and it was very like niche. And I caught wind, I caught wind of this this kind of like trend way after the trend had kind of died. So well, not not so much died, but like not as kind of hyped. Um, but it was just before this like big influx wave of like everywhere selling parts. DLW and, I, and yeah, yeah, DLW, Nomaki no and and Crystal Times and all those. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, so yeah, so I caught wind of this thing and I was like, this is, this is nuts. Like you can just like buy a, like buy a really cool watch and then just add all the extra flares that you want to add onto it. And, you know, it's, you've still got the kind of the reliability and the, 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 the core engineering of, of a, of a trusted like Japanese watch brand. So I just kind of got engaged in that and, and I'm, kind of like at my core i'm quite creative and i like making things and i like like tweaking things and designing things and all that sort of stuff so i just kind of like fell into that um i fell into that a a couple years before uh covid um so a lot of the watches that i was like playing around during covid they were like i was remodding them almost Mm -hmm. because i'd found a i'd found a really really cheap supplier um of just like really random parts like hands and stuff like that and i was just like buying them because they were like they're like maybe 5p for a set of hands or something yeah. which is like really cheap yeah so i was just getting a bunch of like 
stuff and knickknacks and just like switching them out and changing them. And I was just kind of having fun with that just to kind of pass the time. So that was kind of how I got into the mod thing. Um, but yeah. So then with that, at, at what point, like what was it when COVID hit and suddenly parts were taking 24 years to ship? Was that when you're like, you know what? I think I think now is when I can make this transition. I think I'm done modding and I'm ready to do it for myself. Because I mean, you talked about your your design background and your your creative background. You just kind of worn out on working with other people's palette and wanted to start on your own. And I, I want to start digging into the design because we haven't even talked about the watch. We're halfway there. Uh, I want to I want to start getting into the the thinking behind the design that you're that I mean, I see one on your wrist. I mean. Uh, how we got there yeah i mean you, you're you're, you're kind of right in in that um yeah kind of working with what other people had designed um and i was gonna start designing parts for myself and and it just didn't make sense like it didn't make sense to kind of like put money into making something that i was already had limitations on mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and I know that designing kind of original parts was going to take a whole lot more time and a whole lot more money, but um, I just felt like the payoff was going to be more, yeah, more true to what I actually wanted. Do you have a background in that design to completion of like product, product engineering and design, like from from paper to a finished product? No. Okay. Not not even not even a little bit. Okay, like, so this is um, the first iteration of that. Of, oh yeah, this is this is the first thing I've ever kind of like put. Like I'd seen it. Like I like I said, I've worked with clients that have kind of done it, but I'd never I'd never done it personally. And and like that was like, like something that I mentioned as well early on. Like I'd said to a lot of people that had started to engage with 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 me, saying like, "Oh, you started this watch company, etc." And I'd said literally like, "If I can do it." you can do it like it, it you know if you put your mind to it if you take the amount of time to kind of look you know into it you can be surprised at what you kind of create because i i did it with with very little knowledge in the kind of the product space and and um it just took a lot more time a lot more reading and obviously my money to be able to kind of like start putting it into action and that's what inspired the latin engraving that's on the back of the watch if you've if you've seen it mm-hmm. Yeah, well, tell us yeah let's talk first. about it let's let's get in yeah let's let's talk about that first and then we'll get into the whole thing yeah yeah so on the back of the on the back of the watch on the case back um there's a there's a latin engraving in the center of it um and it says out vium invenium out fashion and that's kind of latin for i will either find a way or make one and that was kind of the approach that i took like um like I wanted to design a watch, so I'd find a way to do it. I wanted to make a titanium watch, so I'll find a way to do it. Like I ran into obviously these different hurdles when kind of creating a watch and, and um, I never let it kind of slow me down. And um, and I kind of wanted this watch for people that, that really related to it and related to kind of where it came from. I wanted to kind of like have this piece as something that they could be inspired by to kind of go out and, and do the things that they actually want to do. Well, let's, um, let's talk a little bit. Of, let's talk a little bit about the watch itself, right? Because the instrument, so the Instrumentum is your debut watch, um, yeah. and it is oh boy, it's a whopper, man. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. This is not the this is not the average um, micro brand 
debut piece, I would say. No, it certainly doesn't doesn't have that look to it. <laughs> <laughs> it it is a it is a dive watch, right? Which yeah. uh or or at least it's it's spec like a dive watch. I'm not sure it's fair to call it yeah. a dive watch. Uh I I'll, I'll let you call it whatever you want, but um it is that sort of traditional, you know, rotating bezel diver feel. Um but sort of the similarities to the average micro release kind of stopped there, at least in terms of the, at least in terms of the specifics. So, um, but tell us a little bit about what it is, what, you know, I, I think when I see your watch, I see elements of at least four watches that I can pinpoint. Um, yeah. some of those are specific yeah. watches yeah. and some of those are maybe more categories of watches, but what, what is this thing, um, in Ken Lamb's own words? Um, so you're, you're right in saying like, um, cause I, I was very reluctant to call it a dive watch cause I feel like now, like nowadays the concept of a dive watch doesn't hundred percent make that much sense. Very little cause sense. Like, yeah. Cause like, I mean, people use dive computers, so that's like more of what I would consider the modern day kind of dive mm-hmm. watch. Um, so I, I like to think of it as more of a dive centric kind of like tool watch, which I know you guys touched on a, on a previous podcast about like tool watches, what makes them a tool watch and that sort of thing. Um, so for me, I kind of like wanted it to be kind of an all purpose. Um, and then in, and in the same sense of it being a dive watch, being kind of overbuilt to stand your day-to-day kind of like beating sort of thing. Um, so that was the kind of direction that I wanted to take with it. Um, but I wanted it to be, more compact like i didn't want it to have kind of the bulk that you know dive watches tend to have i wanted to have a bit more kind of just a bit more class to it a bit more thoughtfulness and and um just some design elements that you know you're never going to see at this price point like not by a long shot um you know spin it through kind of like my own kind of design mind's eye and and yeah this is what <laughs> this is what came out of it and you say overbuilt and and i Spec wise, I I definitely think it is. I mean, but it is. It's this interesting collision between like a dress diver, a sport watch, and like very kind of zen feeling tool watch. That it everything just works. the The way you were able to blend that tool aspect that kind of refined sport watch aspect that dive aspect is is really impressive and i want to i want to hear more about those inspirations about the the things that drove you the the watches kind of that where you were thinking about that you're like oh i kind of like this aspect and and i know you're you're you're, you're not it's not homages right you're you but you're you're working off of your creativity but also things that already exist in the space and I, I want to hear a little bit more about the thinking of everything that went into this. Because this is this is cool. I mean, you don't see titanium. I mean, titanium alone would have been innovative enough on a dive watch. An integrated bracelet would have been a, a change from the norm. But you you went with both. You're, you're going two, two different loom styles. Yeah, I mean, you, you've packed a lot into this single package. And I want, I want more. I want to hear the thought process behind it. I want to know. Yeah. I mean, um, like 
I'd be I'd be lying to say that like you know there aren't certain design inspirations that come from from other watches that exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're jumping into kind of this watch space, you know, a hundred plus years later than than all these other really well established like watch companies that have created great things over the years, your 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 ability to create something that's completely original without pushing the boat incredibly far out um, is really slim. Um, so for me, what I was kind of like looking for in terms of design elements from other watches that I'd liked or that I'd seen was that, um, they had to be purposeful, right? Mm -hmm. So like, say for example, um, uh, in, in pre, in, in some articles like the, cause so obviously you've got the crown guard that kind of comes up to the crown here, but then you've got this, this guard that's on the opposite side to make it very Nautilus. Yeah. Yeah. So people, so people think. No, Nautilus has that kind of like shaping to it. Um, but for me, I feel like that is something that has a purpose kind of design element to it, whether that's for some people who kind of like wear the watch on their right hand to prevent it from, from the bezel from knocking or well, to create normal more, humans more and wear watches on the right hand. Well, I mean, some people do. Like, I mean, it's, like it's kind of like, like a, 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 <laughs> a symmetry. I, yeah. I'm left-handed, yeah. so I wear my watch on my right hand and everyone makes fun of me. But you know, yeah, so but it's a like few, it's a few folks to have kind of that symmetry um, to kind of keep keep that door open. Um, you know, obviously with with uh, the bracelet, people have compared a lot of it to kind of to overseas and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of kind of the design thought that I had, uh, well, I mean, for starters, I mean, overseas, the price of an overseas is is like i think in a, a previous previous podcast mention um one of the links would cost more than this entire watch um, which is very true <laughs> it's like it's different <laughs> yeah uh, so and uh obviously this has a taper it's a, it's a hell of a lot thinner um but the thing that drew me to it was kind of the link size so i'd kind of consciously thought about this watch being suitable for people with smaller wrists and obviously that kind of has to lend itself to the, the kind of the ergonomics of the way it would wrap around your wrist. And with this, um, the links are a lot shorter. So it allows for more links to allow kind of more flexibility yeah. um, to suit people with smaller wrist sizes. And same with the the, the extension clasp. Yeah, can so we see the of, extension clasp? Because I don't think this is public, but we could see it. Yeah, we won't perhaps. tell anyone about it. We're yeah. just going to... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so this is, this is the extension clasp, but it's it's only 30... 30 millimeters long so it's it's like 30 percent shorter than kind of your standard diving extension clasp yeah it's y- yeah tiny. it's very short yeah it's it's really it's really thin um it's it's not that thick um, we've seen a, a lot of these a, and that's the shortest that's the shortest it's a, i've seen it's a, it's it's got a full <laughs> extension um yeah <laughs> and um yeah so obviously i didn't want it to be like this this metal sandwich like you'd have the watch on one side and then this clasp on the other side and then two links on the other side. You just right, and them. that's the issue with extension clasps is they're often exactly they're super functional, they're very comfortable, but they're often too long. Yeah, there is one, I think one sort of OEM available extension clasp right now, and it's the one exactly yeah that is that is pretty long. I mean, it it winds up just being especially if you've got a more 
tubular sausageist like Andrew. Yeah, I do. I have it, that's a summer sausage. <laughs> it winds up just creating like a square. <laughs> yeah. It's just creates it, a yeah, square. Yeah, my, my my bracelets actually hang ninety degrees <laughs> to the watch head. <laughs> like uh, I got I can't I can't wear that I can't wear that class, man. Like it's it's too big. Like I don't have big wrists. I have like a seven inch wrist, but like that that clasp is just too it's too much. And did you did you did you experiment with that wrist in your prototype or with that clasp in your prototyping or did you just go I mean or, or did you go directly to this is the, this is the idea that I have but I, it's got to change it it can't be this I mean yeah I mean there 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 are um, like you said that kind of that available OEM um, you know a lot of people a lot of even third party like strap companies sell it and stuff like that so I tried it on and I'd seen it and another part that I didn't like about it was that it's an auto kind of closure. So if you push it, it will close itself, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to press it. So if you're like out and about and you like knock it, it can just pinch you. And, and then I, your I, and then your hand could fall off. You just I, like, lose I, I, yeah, there is just, that just, risk. Just gone. Like yeah. you just got a just got a nub and it's like you've got the watch, but like And your yeah, strong hand. Barely. But also if you cut your wrist, strong it could be like a it could be like a, a tourniquet, a quick tourniquet. <laughs> You like get a really bad <laughs> arterial cut. You could just lock it, lock it into yeah, yeah. stuff. That's a functionality we've never talked about in in, in ratchet okay, locking clasps. Do survival. Are yeah, you going to take tourniquet. some notes, Ken? Yeah, I'm writing this down. Okay, Give me a sec. Okay, the the tourniquet, the tourniquet <laughs> clasp Arkin model number two. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, so I believe, I believe, and uh, so, you, you know, having done a teensy bit of research, I believe that your watch is different than many micro brands in the sense that you've actually designed every millimeter of the watch and bracelet, even if you didn't design or engineer the clasp, everything above that. Is, oh, no, the class the clasp is actually originally is is mine as well like the in terms of the the molding everything and all that sort of stuff so so um, walk us through how difficult yeah. that is because you, you, you know I, I think there was a time when people were most micro brands were doing catalog watches um yeah. by and large i think that those times are kind of behind us i think most people are designing watches but with different degrees of involvement in the process we certainly mm. some companies are still introducing catalog case watches but by and large i think most people are designing them but i don't know that everybody's doing it quite the way you are so talk a little bit about your design process um yeah like i mean like I, like i mentioned earlier i kind of went into it without wanting the limitations like i didn't want to have the limitations of oh you can only use this bracelet or you can only use this this case or you can only use this crown or whatever um otherwise i'm like you know, there's, there's no reason to not just get any other watch. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so like I wanted to design every little bit. So every, every measurement on this, um, kind of like every, everything that could be consciously thought about, I thought about it. Um, so, I mean the, yeah, the bracelet is original um in terms of the kind of the design that went into it and kind of manufacturing each of the individual links and kind of where it tapers so you've got like three taper links and then they start to level out then and the taper goes from obviously um 20 20 millimeter width to uh 16 oh. yeah yeah great that's a it, it's a great taper that's uh, the perfect taper that's that's our preferred taper 20 to 16 is the perfect bracelet taper yeah 
Yeah. There, there are so, some bracelets that I've interacted with that are not 2016 and Christopher Ward. Bums me out. Christopher Ward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, but then again, like if you if you do the taper for say 20 to 16, there's no there's no clasp that like fits that. Like mm-hmm. as in terms of like the ratchet extension clasp. Right. The catalog one will will stop at 18. Right. So in that respect, I was like, okay, well, if I want that clasp with that bracelet, I gotta make that bracelet, that clasp myself. So I'll make that clasp myself. Um, How and, hard was yeah, it interacting just, with manufacturers to 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 get them to do what you wanted? I and mean, we've talked to to brand owners who, I mean, have been told you can't you can't do over fifty meters of water resistance with an acrylic crystal, which we know to be false. But what what's that fight look like with with your <laughs> manufacturing partners? I mean, it's it's a. Uh, that wasn't actually funnily enough that wasn't the difficult part because so because i have kind of like a a visual a visual arts background in terms of either media production or photography and all that sort of stuff um i was quite i was i was lucky in the sense that i could communicate what i wanted it to look like quite easily by Mm -hmm. by drawing it myself or by you know taking an image Uh, like taking a photo of what the current prototype looks like photoshopping it into what it should look like and all that sort of stuff um so i was able to kind of communicate those things um relatively easily it was it was the more fine-tuning details that were a bit hard to like get right um and by that i mean things like the the borders on the hands <clears throat> like the metal borders on the hands or yeah. the metal borders on the indices your, um, your hands are great i think unconventional um and maybe you know w- without being too pejorative a little weird in a good <laughs> yeah. in a good way um but yeah they're fantastic hands so what does that look like that that process yes. of of coordinating dial to hands because it's clearly coordinated yeah, so it, it just it it took a while and, and for, for the longest time, like I couldn't understand why it looked weird. Like some of the earlier iterations, I was like, this just something about this just doesn't look right. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it might have been the texture on the dial, so I changed that, but then it didn't look right. So I changed it back and then it maybe it was the polish. So I had to change took off the polish off the the, the metal kind of indices and the markers, took that off. I was like, Hey, yeah, this looks a little bit better but the size of the border now needs to be a little bit thicker, a little bit smaller. And every millimeter makes a huge difference. Every 0.1 like, millimeter. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, like one tiny thing and it's like, this looks off. And then like, okay, we need to add some add some extra lines or you know, change the certain thickness on some things. And it was the fine tuning that was a little bit more tedious because obviously that pushes back certain kind of manufacturing timelines and stuff like that. And um but yeah, the only the only kind of big thing that was difficult originally was finding kind of a manufacturer that would do it in titanium. Yeah, titanium was the the toughest thing. Sure. Um, and it's a hundred percent titanium, case to taste, case to class. Yeah, titanium. Every, everything is kind of, everything is titanium. The bezel, the, the 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 case, the case back, the, each of the the only thing that's steel is the um, is the the pins inside the links. Oh, okay. perfect. So I can break those. And it's a screw. Yes. It, they're screws. It's a screw construction <laughs> bracelet, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a screw construction. So obviously those have got steel kind of like pins in them. And um, spring bars, I'm assuming, are also steel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and let's talk a little bit about your titanium because it's, uh, I think it's a, a medium high grade titanium. You don't have a, you don't, you know, in $500, it would be impossible to do crazy high quality titanium. But you also have a hardened 
uh, treatment to this, which I think gets you up to like the 600 Vicar range, which yeah. is like um, close to Zinn's tegmenting hardness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, so it's it's a it's a grade two titanium. Um, I think if you, for for things like grade five, um, they don't need as much kind of like uh, treatment post kind of like manufacturing. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like you mentioned, the, the the cost of grade five pushes the watch into a different kind of category. Um, yeah, but at the same unobtainium. Time, even even yeah, grade exactly. three, which I yeah. think Tudor is using, is pretty pretty expensive yeah so but the thing is with grade with grade two is that you have to you you have to have it coated like there's no doubt about it like it has to be treated in order for it to to have the kind of like correct surface properties um but then obviously that treatment varies like you could have a treatment that you know only kind of gives you enough resistance up to 300 vickers or up to six or up to 1200 um and they're all different kind of layering costs and and the and the the protection varies on what part of the watch you're referring to. So say for example, the, 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 the coating on this watch is four to 600, depending on where the coating is on the watch. Cause obviously certain areas like certain corners, they're not going to have the same kind of coating uh -huh. kind mm -hmm. of sense and protection. So did you, um, did you really super coat the clasp to avoid desk diving marks? <laughs> Um, so my, my one's actually got like a ton of like marks on it because of, because of that exact reason. Yeah. Um, so for the actual production version, um, I'm considering maybe doubling up on that. Um, I haven't fully decided whether that's something that people want, because I know that obviously with the kind of the direction that I've taken a brand, it's very like use the watch, like beat it up, get it scratched. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I people like you. that legacy, yeah. yeah, that legacy element of like having their history engraved into the watch for all the, for all the emails they've sent. Do you know what I mean? So like, um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of like keep the balance between. Um, I remember they, when I got my first clasp want. scratch, I was writing an email. <laughs> To a Nigerian <laughs> prince. <laughs> that's the best thing that's ever been said on this show. <laughs> well done. Kind of, okay. I want to be realistic with like um, with with how how people kind of wear it and stuff. And like, would that would an extra would an extra kind of coating on the clasp be that important to people who want to be able to see what they've done with it? Um, but yeah, like I, a lot of the messaging that you're going to see kind of come out of the brand is going to be very kind of real in that sense. It's like I, I did a, a poster that I didn't end up using that was kind of very much along the lines of like, have you ever scuba dived under an iceberg? And neither have we. So buy our watch. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Just, I really like that. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> yeah. that's it. That's the one. So we're starting to run short on time and this might run us long. This is an important question for me because it talks to the future and the goals that you've been really clear about with your brand. Yeah. How so so you've you've been clear that you want this to be a British <clears throat> watch. Yeah. How do you get there? How do you start? And and what are what is needed to be able to yeah. bring this all in-house, not necessarily to your house, but all <laughs> all home to make it a British watch. 
Yeah, I mean, um, in the beginning, I just wanted to kind of design a watch that was was great value for money, um, just a great watch that's kind of came from from me. Um, and I didn't want to just say, okay, I'm going to do all these things in Britain just for the clout, do you know what I mean? Just to say, oh, yeah, it's it's here. I did it here um, for those bragging rights. And, and it'd be essentially the same quality as making it anywhere else. It just had that. So I wanted to kind of take the steps to slowly find ways to make it more true to the origins of who I am. It's more of a personal goal as opposed to anything else because I don't think anywhere along the way I would sacrifice quality um, in terms of the product that I want to kind of give my customers. But yeah, so to start it kind of moving back, obviously the second step is already kind of lined up actually. So the, the watch that I plan to kind of release after this watch will be fully assembled in the UK. Um, so I've kind of like put that step in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it's finding suppliers for, for, for the different parts. You know what I mean? Um, I don't plan to kind of have it in-house, so to speak, or ever really say that it's in-house because I'm not going to have my own, not for the next like decade or so, I'm not going to have my own warehouse, my own workers or my own case makers or my own, you know, mm-hmm. that's not likely to happen in, in this decade. It's just not because the cost of those things is incredible. Um, but it doesn't mean and the I infrastructure already exists. I mean, why reinvent the wheel? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's more of a case of like finding the right kind of, you know, uh, metal work factories to do the case or yeah, the right hand, someone to supply hands or someone to supply dials and that sort of stuff. And then a slowly work a piece at a time until the only thing left is a movement. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully by that time, there might be a, some kind of source movement that's available in the UK that can actually be put in the watch. We hope that for, for everywhere that either the UK or the US can at some point fully source movements and we can yeah. usurp the Swiss. I mean, whether that's or, a, whether that's a clone, whether yeah. that's a clone or something original, um, you know, cause it could just be in a two, eight, two, four clone or, or, some kind of Salita SW200 or whatever clone. Which is a 2824 um, clone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Take yeah. a pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the same as the Miyota, right? So oh, it's right. The, they're kind of all clones of each other in that respect, but just something that's more readily available, um, doesn't break the bank. And, you know, I can keep the price points low for, for the people that actually want to wear them and beat them up and, and not feel like they've, they've hurt their bank account by beating them up. So can we... Maybe pick your brain on what's next for yeah. the brand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next thing, the next thing to come up is um, <laughs> so I'm, I, I I get a lot of questions about straps, right? Um, obviously, with it being an integrated bracelet, there's no strap options. Um, oh. And I and me personally, like I love wearing my watches on NATO straps. So that was the first thing that I needed to solve, right? So, you mean nylon pass-throughs? Pardon? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remind so, us to talk to you about this after the show, because. <laughs> but keep going. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the next thing that will come out after this watch is um, what I'm calling the Arkan Military Link. Fuck yes. Which is a, which is a, which is a NATO strap conversion link um it's 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 already kind of like it's being tested at the moment it's already been prototyped and everything it's just being tested to kind of like kind of iron out some of the kinks and 
decide whether you know I'm gonna have it with a spring bar or whether I'm gonna have it with a fixed bar or you know just kind of the more the, the smaller details of how it kind of works but the NATO strap for this specific watch is, is definitely coming next um, and then we'll kind of see where it goes from there in terms of other strap options um, I have designs already done for, for rubber straps and that sort of thing but trying to find them trying to trying to make sure that the kind of like more delicate parts of the rubber strap that kind of link into the central piece of the case aren't are kind of like structurally sound sure yeah because that's um, only what maybe maybe five millimeter if five millimeters yeah. of it's six or seven yeah you, you know you've got a model there in vacheron which uh you can maybe take a look at what they do yeah like i i don't i don't i don't i've, I've got to kind of like have a little think about how to do that a little bit better in terms of functionality because you know when you have like little end pieces on rubber and then they you get a little crack in it it's done it's done yeah mm-hmm. it's done and the last thing you want is for for a watch that you've kind of like enjoyed spending your time with to just fall off your wrist well but it's a good opportunity for you to make additional money off of people over time well yeah that's true but <laughs> I, for me it's not it's, it's not a, it's not really about that <laughs> well at some point it better be you, you don't have yeah. like a replacement warranty like hey my end link broke and <laughs> i need a new watch no. <laughs> okay i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not planning to do any of that kind of like stuff because because if i was the customer i'd be so pissed like like yeah. if i was the customer i'd be absolutely livid at that yeah and like it would make me less likely to wear it for its for its use because i'd be constantly babying it then because I'd be like, oh, I've got to right. constantly replace this thing. Um, so yeah, the link is the link is kind of um, going to be available uh, afterwards, um, and I'm trying to kind of like give some priority to the first hundred people that that kind of buy the watch, um, and then yeah, and then the only other thing that that kind of follows that is the second watch, which I haven't really spoke about, and I'm not going to kind of go into the detail of it but there is kind of a loyalty that is going to be rewarded in terms of the people that have bought the first watch. So there's going to be something about the second watch that is going to be more enjoyable if you had already purchased the first watch. All right. Is it going to remain titanium? Yes. Okay. That's all I'm going to, that's all I'm going to pry for. So Ken, we've talked a little bit about your background, Seiko modding. I, you know, I know you've talked on another podcast about sort of your background with Casio watches. Um, but I think maybe a more important question uh, for you and maybe for those at home who are listening um, w- would be your business background uh, in terms of how, how are you going to make this business work? Uh, you, you know, we asked you to send a resume and you did not. Uh, but I did not sign. Wait, did, <laughs> wait, did you ask me to send a resume? No, of course. Did not. I miss that? But we did. We are <laughs> interviewing for a sound engineer. If you're interested, you, but we did do some research. You got. You got. You got. We did. Wait, I'll do, take that job. <laughs> we did do some research, and so what I want to know is from slinging noodles at Selfridges to slinging hype beast shoes to working. You really did, at, didn't you? Working Holy at Hype Beast or producing videos for the Fong Brothers, what in your background has made you Jeez. suited for this and will make you suited for being a watch brand owner moving forward? You really dig, didn't you? This is what we do for money. <laughs> you you found my LinkedIn, didn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you went you went you went as far as me slinging noodles. 
yeah that was like my first that was my first job man i think i was like 16 i can picture that, a 16 washing, year old can slinging noodles at i was, I was washing i was washing dishes before that like <laughs> i was yeah like i was washing dishes at like 16 so how do you take like, all these experiences and turn that into a watch brand and why is your watch brand going to be better than all the other watch brands because of those experiences or maybe not even better just as good i mean we don't have to you don't have to be superior but why why let's trust you sell us sell us on ken i think i think some of my early work things um kind of lend itself well to kind of just being committed to something and working hard at something you know sometimes you've got to do the a bit of the dirty work to kind of get an outcome that you can enjoy and appreciate and also have an understanding for like people that are going to put all their money into something that you've made. You know what I mean? Like make something good. So then the hard earned money of people that can buy it are going to buy something that's worth buying. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then as far as like all the creative stuff I've done, um, it's, it's, I've, I spent the last seven years, creating content or photos or videos to communicate somebody else's story, somebody else's story or someone else's product or the story that they want to communicate through that product. And like, this is the first time that I've been able to kind of create something and tell my own story through it and tell a story that I kind of believe in. And I feel that people can relate to and, and approach kind of a watch company with a slightly different agenda. Um, obviously there, there are things that, that other companies do and do well like customer service like you mentioned you've got brew you've got you've got monty you've got these other brands that have great customer service um i want to kind of push that even further like i want to push you know brand loyalty and brand communication and all these things further to create something more than just the product that you're buying like i want to create a bond within the experience of wearing watches because i think that's kind of at its core the reason why we all love it it's like the idea of being able to have the watch and wear it under certain circumstances or wear it in certain places or conditions or occasions and and uh yeah i want to i want to i want to take that one step further basically you know what sold me buy something worth buying buy something worth buying i dig it you sold me i'm there sweet sweet does that mean i get the job yeah yeah it's only one slider. I mean, it's not hard. <laughs> but there's so many sliders to choose from. Andrew, other things. What do you got? Oh, I got I have an interesting other thing. And I know it's coming. So I'm just gonna... I so my wife has restless legs. Oh. And her friend also had the, the had a same issue. And she got a weighted blanket. I'm going to solve the problem. And today, today's Sunday. So on on Sundays, I have a weird... It, Sundays are a weird day for me. I'd, it's Sundays for some of us. Well, it's Sunday for me. So And Monday for Ken. On Sundays... Yeah. So Saturday, at Saturday, I wake up at... at I woke up at 2, yes, 2 p.m. yesterday. And I went to sleep at about 10 a.m. on Sunday. And I got up at... 3 p.m. on Sunday. So I'm a tired dude. And I'm going back into a night sleep cycle period for my vacation. But Sundays I'm just tired anyway. So I usually take a little nap or go to bed very early. It's, it is now 
11 p.m. So I like I knowing scheduling this interview, I was like, man, I'm gonna be sleepy. I need to take a nap. So this weighted blanket is at my house, and I lay down on the couch under it, and my life was changed. I have never, in maybe the hour and a half nap that I took under this weighted blanket, it was as good as a full night of sleep. I'm not going to be able to sleep (laughs) when when we're done here. I'm up because that nap was terrific. So uh, my wife got shitty with me because I was using her weighted blanket and she wanted to be using it. Uh, So I I immediately bought, uh, because it was hot, it it was a little hot and I didn't like that, but I liked the weight of it. So I went and I bought a queen-sized 20-pound cooling heavy blanket from the Amazon. And it's four and a half stars with... 6,600 reviews. Pretty good. So that, the whole thing behind it is that it's breathable but heavy. And I've, I usually, will when I, when I take a nap, I'll throw a blanket over me because it's cozy. And I, after my wife took her weighted blanket back, I put a fleece blanket over me and it was trash. I was pissed. I was like, this is nothing. I don't want this. Uh, so I got a queen-sized weighted blanket and Everett has my phone. What's the brand on it? The, the brand up. is... It's a made-up word. Hypnoser. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was... Th- what are you doing? You're an animal. Uh, it was... thirty five ninety nine on Amazon. So stay tuned for in a couple of weeks here when I get a chance to uh, tell you about it. But 20-pound <clears throat> blanket... Your yeah, other thing is more of an idea. Yeah, weighted blankets are the shit. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I've never had a better nap. Yeah, you know, we haven't a weighted blanket. We've got, I think, that same brand, actually, in King, in King Size, which we've thrown over our King Size bed. And uh, This is just for me. I'm not going to get a King Size because I'm not <laughs> sharing. <laughs> I, I know that it's uh, it, it's it's one of those things you have to try it to to understand it. It's... I'm not sure I'd want to sleep. In fact, I know I don't want to sleep under it every night. But sometimes, yeah, it's oh. a cool. It's a pretty cool thing. I might never sleep without it again. <laughs> <laughs> did it? Did it fix the restless legs or no? I don't know. I was sleeping under it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a her problem. <laughs> uh, uh, no. So, uh, as, so actually, it fixes I, restless. It fixes restless partners. Yeah. So as I was coming upstairs, she, she was under under uh, the blanket and she she did comment that uh, her restless legs were not an issue. And just that weight, like it was is it magical. It's like being in the womb. <laughs> I like it. Well, I've got I've got another Do thing. Me. I've got my other thing is uh, chosen, picked, curated in uh, light of our guest and content creation and being a visual artist. Uh, but this is a YouTube channel that I followed for a little while now. I just sort of found it one day and was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that this sort of thing existed, but it's a YouTube channel. The name of the channel is Benny Productions and Benny is the fellow who has this channel. He's a European fellow and I'm not sure where in Europe he's got maybe a Dutch accent maybe uh i'm not 100 percent on that but he is a photoshop artist he is a photoshop artist and he makes these videos where he makes images usually 
artistic, like sort of fantasy, or they're not even in any genre. But he takes random pictures and he photoshops them into cohesive images. And it is incredible. It's incredible. You can tell that this is a Photoshop project that usually spans several hours. And I don't know how many hours I'd guess that most of his videos are between 10 and 20 hours of actual, you know, time behind the computer. But it is incredible. This guy will take an image, drop it on another image, change the light, add highlights. He makes artwork. And it's so fun to watch as a guy who doesn't know Photoshop. And I assume maybe even more so as someone who's got some familiarity with Photoshop. It is wonderful. This guy will, people will send him pictures, bad pictures. People will send him children's pictures. And he'll take these pictures and put them into a scene and light everything and then add light and add glow and add. It's wonderful and it it actually i will say i'm at the point where it's lost its luster just a little bit because once you've seen one you've seen a hundred but it's still totally incredible and just the idea that someone can do this stuff with these tools is mind-blowing they're about 20 minute videos 20 minute videos yep one and and a half million followers yes he and he's there may be, I know that there are other guys that do the, do this stuff because he collaborates with them from time to time, but this is the one I found and the one I followed, and it's so stinking good. So that's my other thing for the week. That's a good other thing. It's the the, the photo on his his first video kind of looks like like somewhere between Stitch from Lilo and Stitch yeah. and Alien. <clears throat> He's got a couple different series. Sometimes he takes drawings that people did and like makes that drawing from just like random stock images. Um, sometimes he will stitch together things or create a whole environment. Anyway, it's just totally wonderful. I'm intrigued. I have, I have some hours to burn. Yeah, I've got, I've, I've got to go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> it's really cool, Ken. You'll, you'll dig it the most. Ken, other things, what do you got? Um, okay. So, um, I don't know whether you've uh, you've heard of this. I think I think it might it might even be from America. I'm not 100 percent sure. Burger King, um, it's delicious. Burger King, wonderful. Oh, Flame weird, broiled. Weird. Yeah, you just read my mind. So <laughs> it's it's literally on the topic of burgers. Right? <laughs> That's <laughs> really good. I'm not I'm not even kidding. Right. So have you heard of Linda McCartney? Yes. Yeah. So like I hadn't heard of Linda McCartney. Right. I'm not really I'm not really clued up on. Uh, healthy eating options um, just in general um, and so like my my girlfriend is um, she's a pescatarian um, and she obviously she doesn't eat meat um, well she eats fish which well, is she's only fish, kind yeah, of meat. But she doesn't, yeah but she are we talking about Paul McCartney's wife Linda McCartney no no oh, I don't know if it's Linda I don't know if that's the same. I don't know if that's the same. You didn't. This did not go the direction I expected it to go. Paul Paul McCartney's wife makes 
burgers. I'm not sure. No, I, we're not talking I, about the same person. I, <laughs> you said Linda McCartney, and I was like, yeah, I've heard of her. Wait, wait a minute. I need, I, need to, I need to Google this real quick. Linda McCartney. No, Just McCartney. so you know, Ken, we're not cutting any of this. This is all staying in. <laughs> This cut no. Did she just walk in? You can ask her who it is. One minute. Let me let me double check. Um, Linda McCartney. It's like no, that doesn't make sense. We're not on burgers right now. No, I don't think. Anyway, I don't think it's the same person. Um. But yeah, so I got introduced to these 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 meat free these meat free burgers. And, oh, um, okay, like the Incredible Burgers. Yeah, yeah, kind of or or Beyond. Yeah, you're probably familiar with Beyond, right? Yes. Or Impossible, yeah. or I mean, take your pick. No, it's yeah. the yeah. same. It's There's the same there. name, Linda McCartney. Maybe it's the same lady. I'm yeah. trying to think. Oh, it is. It, it is. is. It is that. It is that Linda McCartney. It's the same person. Fantastic. Well, now we know. Well, that's that's changed everything. <laughs> that's changed absolutely. I don't know if I have the same. I don't know if I have the same feeling about this now. Now, what are we even going to do now? <laughs> yeah. My my other thing kind of has has gone completely too far. Um. So yeah. So I got introduced to these burgers, and um, I was a little skeptical. I was skeptical. Um, I'm not really one for um, kind of meat-free options, but they're really good. I've they're had some really, of the really Impossible good. Burgers, and I concur. They they feign meat very well. Yeah, they're not veggie burgers. I'm gonna have to try these Linda McCartney burgers. Yeah, I know. Now I'm, now I'm really interested. <laughs> I mean, the this the the way we got here. Yeah, that's really more specifically the mozzarella burgers. Oh, yeah, yeah, they have like mozzarella burgers um, that are like veggie veggie option. Um, those are the ones that that you need to try. Okay, yeah, it's so wonderful was, was... that it is Linda McCartney. By the way, it's yeah, I know that's one of the it's... best other things segments we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I had no idea that it was. The... That Linda McCartney, I was just like, oh, it's another one of those, like, they just slap somebody's random name on it. Like, oh, it's, it's. Aunt Jemima. Yeah, yeah, like, Aunt, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, Aunt Jemima's meat-free burgers. Oh, sweet. Like, nobody knows who Aunt Jemima is, but she makes a mean burger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Why wouldn't she? Everyone has her. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, so, yeah. But, yeah, I I got introduced to these burgers um, from my girlfriend. She was like, you need to try these. And it, it meant, you know, having something we could both eat. And yeah, it was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Like I would say previously I'd be very skeptical and very much like meat free burger. Nah, meat free sausages. Nah, like I'll take a pass. Like I'll, I'd much rather just have the meat option. Like if I'm going to eat meat, might as well eat meat. But I, I, I really enjoy these, like these, I, yeah, if you're going to do it, this is the way to do it. Done. I'm gonna I'm, try some. I'm gonna give him a try. I had I had a friend will, who went. Will you order some and give me some? Yeah. Uh, I had, I had a friend who went vegetarian for a girlfriend, and they were eating like the the vegetable uh, based sausages, and I called them veggie cylinders, like because, Morning Star or something. No, no, no. They were the they were tubular, like like they looked like hot dogs. 
But you didn't need to cook them because they were vegetables. So he brought them over to put on the grill once. And I, I just I just laughed at it because <laughs> I was like, what? I, okay. <laughs> so I called them vegetable <laughs> cylinders. And that's always been my mindset of these like... Uh, and they were not good. Uh, I did. I did have a chorizo one that was really good because they had they they mimicked the heat, but the texture was just like nauseating. Uh, but some, I've had Impossible Burgers and Beyond, you know, the Beyond products. I haven't had. Um, I haven't had McCartney. Linda McCartney's, and I'm now Linda I'm McCartney, super intrigued. But, Times are a changing, man. Yeah, I mean, she makes it. She makes it a whole range of stuff that I was unaware of as well. Like, and she's she dead does, too. Like, it's all from the grave. She does, a, she does a bag of like a bag of shredded duck, like just a bag of it, like a bag of meat free, duck free shredded duck. What? Yeah. There's a whole bunch of meat free stuff that Linda McCartney is, makes. Is duck common, uh, common fare in the UK? Um, I mean, no, if you're doing no. like bagged shredded, not duck duck, I would assume that it's common <laughs> enough that... <laughs> I think it's for like I think it's for like um, to make duck wraps or, or that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I just noticed. That, I mean, so I'm I'm half Chinese, um, so I I do a lot of Chinese cooking. That's why obviously working in a noodle bar and all that sort of stuff. Um, just steering so, like, the stereotype. Having, I mean, <laughs> yeah, steering. Oh, yeah, I went you know went straight into that, and um, and yeah. So I was looking for looking for ways to kind of create the food that like I know that I'm good at cooking mm-hmm. for the both of us to eat. So I found that bag of shredded duck, and it was it was pretty good. Like it was I was I was okay with it, and I'm, I, and I'm so very reluctant intrigued. to eat meat free stuff. Yeah, it's really intriguing. Shredded duck. Yeah, man. I mean, I like when you pour duck. it, when you pour it out, like when you, when you, cause it's frozen, when you pour it out, it kind of looks like wood chip. <laughs> like it looks really strange. Like when you pour it out frozen, it looks like wood chip. And then when you heat it up through, it kind of gets fibrous again. It's strange, but then yeah, it tastes, tastes real. Like it tastes legit. I'm behind some of that too. <laughs> Ken, we're, we're going to wrap. We're really yeah. glad you joined us. Um, the Argon Instrumentum, your debut watch, I think goes live on this coming Wednesday, so the day before this episode. So, Like 72 hours. You will be in pre-order when people are hearing this. How do people find you? How do people buy your watch? So um, you can follow us on Instagram, uh, Arkham Watch Co., uh, but if you're, if you're looking to kind of pick up one of the watches, um, head over to the website, uh, sign up your email to arkin.uk and um, yeah the day that we're recording this I'm going to be sending out the email to announce the time of release um, which will be 5 p.m. so I can say that now because this is going to be out then yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're already, you're already behind <laughs> people have already be, people would have already been uh, buying it um, hopefully hopefully yeah yeah um, so I'm sending out that email today to announce kind of the time of release. Um, and yeah. What's your website? Arken.uk. Arken.uk. A-R-K-E-N dot U-K. Yes. And if you go yes. to the website right now when we're recording, there are is limited information. If you go to the Instagram, much better photos. I assume 
when we publish, there'll be slightly more information available on the website. So go check it out. It's really good. Andrew, anything that you want to add before we move on? No, I'm out of things. All out of things. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Cooker podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 or at the Watch Clicker. You can check out Arkin at Arkin Watch Co. If you want to follow Arkin, you can do so at the website. That's where they will send you. You can sign up for email updates and get notified. Anything that's happening there. You can check us out on the website, watchclicker.com. That's where we post weekly reviews and every single episode of this podcast. If you want to support 40 and 20, you can do so at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's where we get all the money for hosting and microphones and all the other stuff that we have to buy from time to time. We do really appreciate your support if you want to do that. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.